Yeah. All by myself. <laughs> Don't wanna be all by myself. I will Venmo you five dollars if you know the name of that artist and you can tell me in the next five seconds. Uh Eric something. Eric Campton? Camden? Oh, close. is Eric Carmen. Carmen. That's it. Yeah. My $5 is secure. Fuck. Well, hello and welcome to Bromancing the Stone. It's the podcast where myself, Renee Sanchez, and my good buddy, Max Lyon. What up? Watch rom-coms and then immediately talk about them and record the discussions for your listening pleasure. And Max, how are you doing on this fine Saturday night? I'm doing well. I'm healthy. Alive. Yeah, ditto. Not, uh, not succumbing to the coronavirus. Yeah, yep. I haven't left my apartment in a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. It's <laughs> yes, getting weird. Yeah, it, it is odd. I agree. Um, yeah, luckily, I've, I've still got plenty of tequila to keep me warm during this coronavirus scare. I still have plenty of wine. There you go. So Don't need to go grocery shopping until that runs out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we got all the fixings for a podcast recording. Uh, yeah, so today we we uh, watched Crazy Stupid Love, and uh, you put you picked the movie and uh, give us yeah tell us why and your first memories of it. Um, I didn't really have too much of a reason other than um, I'd only seen it once before. I think when it first came out, and mm-hmm. it, I don't remember anything about it except for the the climactic scene where everyone shows up in their backyard. Yeah. And I don't remember too much about liking the movie either, but I didn't hate it. I just couldn't remember anything about it. So I decided we need to watch this. And yeah. I've heard a lot of good things about it since. And um, yeah, now that I watched it, I'm glad I glad I picked it. Yeah. Um, I remember when it came out and I remember uh, seeing because I remember it came out in the summer. And I remember like early 2011, like late 2010, I saw like the first trailer just stumbled upon it, like online or whatever the case. And I remember living at home with my mom at the time because it was after college. It was the first year after college. Um, And I just remember when I saw the uh, (laughs) when I saw the trailer and I saw or at least I saw the names of the movie as well. And it was like, oh, my God, I love Steve Carell. Oh, my God, I love Ryan Gosling. Oh, my God, I love Emma Stone. Oh, my God, I love Julianne Moore. I was immediately all it. I was just like, this is going to be the best. I can't wait for this movie. Everything else, yada, yada. I remember I went and saw my mom and liking it that first time. And I, and then I saw it a second time uh, with the, a girl I was hanging out with at, at that time of life. Um, and I... Uh, I thought I had jury duty that day and I found out I didn't. And then instead of going to work, I went to a movie with this girl. So <laughs> I'd say that's a work. pretty good reason to, to ditch work. 
Yeah, I was just like, eh, I'm going to go see a movie instead of uh, going to work. Um, and so I did that. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, I, I remember the movie from, I remember seeing it twice in theaters, which, yeah. Um, nice. But okay. yeah, uh, uh, Crazy Stupid Love is a 2011 American romantic comedy film. D- don't it's, forget the commas. It's crazy, stupid. Love. And love has a period at the end. <laughs> and love has a period. Because the punctuation yeah. in a fucking movie title is incredible. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, it's a 2011 American romantic comedy film directed by Glenn Fakara and John Requa and written by Dan Fogelman, who also wrote the show This Is Us. Mm. Uh, and also another movie, uh, Life Itself. Uh, he also did it, Tangled. He did? <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. Um like the it stars the Disney movie. I I yeah, were you joking about that? No, I was not. <laughs> he actually he wrote did. that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I remember seeing that movie in theaters with my mom. I think he did. And it was actually and it was actually pretty funny. I don't know. I know Mandy Moore was in it. Yeah, he did. I just looked it up. Yeah, he he wrote Tangled. Huh. Yeah. Wow. I, that's that is definitely unexpected. That's yeah. Cool. Right. That. Yeah. Um, and cars apparently. Wow. What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Dan Fogelman. Huh. All right. All right. Well, uh, this movie stars Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling, Julianne Moore, Emma Stone, Marissa Tomei, and Kevin Bacon. And it follows a recently divorced man who seeks to rediscover his manhood and is taught how to pick up women at bars. Um, By none other than yeah. Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Gosling. So uh, the movie was released, uh, his wide release date was July 29th, 2011. Uh, and how long is the movie? Uh, two hours and two minutes. Very close. An hour and 58 minutes. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, pretty long. It is. Yeah. Uh, and the budget for the film was $50 million. Wow. Really? I mean, you've hired that yeah. many quote unquote big name That's actors. True. Yeah. It's going to raise the budget a fair amount, especially in 2011. Um, how much did it make in the box office? 120 mil. A hundred and forty-five million dollars. Nice. So almost, you know, uh, you know, three times the budget there. So yeah, that's pretty solid. Yeah, especially for a romantic comedy in twenty eleven. Like, Another twenty eleven movie. So that's no strings attached. Friends with benefits. Crazy stupid love. Like this was, this was the peak of rom coms. I think. <laughs> Not the peak of rom coms. Not the peak. But... Not the peak. <laughs> Yeah, but definitely maybe the last stand of rom-coms in theaters. Yeah, because you don't really see them anymore. Yeah, and or think about them making money in theaters after like 2011. Yeah. This was kind of like the last bits of, of movies in theaters. God, like are we reviewing a dying breed of movies? Uh, 
a lot of people i mean it's i wouldn't necessarily say it's dying it's just moved to different formats i mean there's a lot of movies on netflix that we haven't gotten to yet true yeah so yeah i mean it's just it's they've gone to other places and then also with video on demand um you know there's even like stream like even on hulu hulu will randomly have uh, movies that didn't necessarily get a wide like nationwide release but then all of a sudden are on hulu and are that's pretty true good. yeah um there's a movie i don't think we'll ever review it because it wasn't well known but there's a movie called plus one on hulu that i've watched three or four times and it's like a indie romantic comedy that's i i love so hmm. um yeah it's a good good time that movie um so yeah so made 145 million in the box office um pretty dang good I would say. Yeah. Uh, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. And then also, uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it uh, 79%. Really? Yeah. 79%. I mean, okay. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, Max, do you have some tasty tidbits for this movie? I do have some tasty tidbits. All are right. You, are you still drinking Drop tequila, by the way? Uh, yeah, I poured a glass. I haven't sipped on it yet since our shot. That we took. I'll fucking sip on it. Uh, I will when you start doing your goddamn tidbits. I like to wait until I'm not talking. Fine. <laughs> I don't know why you can't talk and drink. <laughs> it's totally physically possible. Totally physically possible. And it totally yeah. works for the recording medium of podcasts. Absolutely. Well, we never talk about what we're actually drinking, so I figured I'd ask. Even though we're usually drinking the same thing every time. Yeah, <clears> pretty much. Um, okay, tasty tidbits. So, for the longest time, this movie was originally called Untitled Marital Crisis Comedy. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> I like that. Which just seems like an oxymoron when you got marital crisis and comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and in fact, they actually offered free iPads to anyone on set who could come up with a title. <laughs> Ow. Yeah. Uh, but I couldn't find too much about how it actually got named Crazy Stupid Love. Like, there was all this information about it being untitled for the longest time. But They actually, uh, they drew words out of a hat. Did they really? No, I'm kidding. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Just put some commas between them. We're good. Yeah. Well, that was the that was one of my sister's favorite jokes to tell me when I was young. How how did Canada come up with their uh, country name? They drew letters out of a hat. C A N A D A. That's anyway. pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Oh, Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't have very many, but the ones that I do have are like strange little, like they, they kind of, they had layers to them. I'd actually do some legitimate research behind these. Layered tidbits. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, part, that's part of what makes tasty tidbits so flavorful is the layers. I, yeah. It's, that's like the investigative reporting. I, you know, I don't like leave a you, seven layer burrito. I don't leave you hanging. Like a seven layer burrito. <laughs> Like a Crunchwrap Supreme. <laughs> Fuck, now I want Taco Bell. <laughs> God damn it, Renee. Um, uh, okay, so I wonder if Taco Bell is open. 
He could order from Taco Bell. They probably open during the quarantine. Order from Taco. You can order from Taco Bell through Uber Eats. That totally seems safe. I mean, <laughs> I think so. Yeah. If you do it through Uber Eats, they now have a feature called "Leave at the Door." Yeah, I know. They, Grubhub does that too. Yeah. So now they can just like knock on your door and walk away, and then you can just grab the bag and be good. <laughs> I'm flashing on like. A story I heard about a guy delivering, like, knocking on the door, taking, like, ten steps back, waiting for the door to be open, and then just standing in the hallway and pointing at the bag, like the evil monkey from Family Guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, just pointing at the bag and being like, nope, that's it. Don't come any closer. Take the bag. I'm leaving. There was one lady I ordered delivery from who legit was in a full, like, hazmat, like, hooded, had a mask on. Jesus. Gloves, like, the fucking full, whole nine. And I was like, all right, I I get it. I'm not mad at it. Yeah, it's it's weird. This is a weird, weird times. It's definitely unique to our generation. Which is why we're still trying to bring the positivity on this podcast, right? You're damn right. That's why we talk about layers of of burritos. Yeah. So, th- uh, speaking of positivity, let's go right into the most positive stories of um, one of the actresses. So, Annalee Tipton, Annalee, yep. Annalee Anna Tipton. She, uh, yeah, she's she plays Jessica, the babysitter. Yep. So, uh, before her acting career, she went through several different career options, career paths. Um, they weren't actually careers yet because she was young enough that they weren't, you know, making her too much money. But she originally started out as a synchronized skater, an ice skater. Oh wow! And she won four U.S. synchronized skating championships. Huh. Nice. So there's that. Uh, she actually retired from that at the age of 16 and started modeling. Yeah, and then she was in America's Next Top Model. She was in America's Next Top Model, which she told mm-hmm. that before she got on there, she was appro- approached by sex traffickers who turned out, well, who were posing as model agents. Mm-hmm. And do you know this story? No, but like that's not surprising that a young aspiring model was approached by sex traffickers. That's she almost got sold to a Saudi prince. Like Holy legitimately, God. like the deal was in motion and she was able to get out of it before it was finalized. There isn't a whole lot of detail on. <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the fuck? How do you, how are you remotely normal after that? That would fuck me up. But that's just crazy. But thank God she got out of it. Yeah. So, and then she began acting uh, when she first uh, played um, a role in Big Bang Theory in 2008. So, it's just crazy. She, She grew up going through some interesting paths before acting. Yeah. Um, okay, on to the reason why we're all here. Ryan Gosling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he said that he found the bar scenes challenging. So all the scenes that he had to actually be at the bar, hitting on women, coaching. Um, I was going to say Dan in real life. Um, 
<laughs> what's his what's his fucking name? Uh, Steve, Steve Carell. Um, so all those scenes he said he found difficult because first of all, a lot of them were shot first thing in the morning. So like 8 a.m., they'd be going into this bar with no windows and no music, apparently. So he had to be shouting at all of these women his lines as if he was shouting over music. And there was no music. Fuck, that yeah. is tough. That is super tough. Like, At fucking 8 a.m. Because, like, the whole idea, especially because, like, they even mention it in the movie that part of his allure is that he's mysterious. And that's the part of the allure of just hitting on, like, hitting on whomever within a club setting is that there's a there's a mystery involved. And the mystery adds to, you know, the enticement of right. going off with this person. And you and filming that from what we're hearing here literally took everything away from the whole mystery thing and they're just like hey all right now go be mysterious <laughs> at 8 a.m in broad fucking daylight with no music put yelling the coffee down music. and go be mysterious yeah so well i'm about to take yeah. a little more of the mystery away for you um or for everyone who really loves ryan gosling anyway um so he he prepped a lot for this role, including obviously a lot of working out. Um, mm-hmm. But he also read a ton of books on how to pick up women. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And he admitted that his abs were "quote unquote" photoshopped post production. So they were just they weren't photoshopped, but they were enhanced post production. Well, yeah, because like, I mean, granted, he was still in phenomenal shape regardless but i'm sure but it looked like he was flexing the entire time you can't have yeah those cuts those deeper cuts like and like without like having a, like a flex like a hard flex where you're not breathing <laughs> like yeah, so exactly that was obviously it was yeah it was added to but at the same time he got it to a point he's where still in like, damn good shape yeah yeah, yeah. but i yeah, i thought that was ironic because he even in that scene, Emma Stone's character says, my God, you look like you're photoshopped. <laughs> well, there's a couple meta things. Not only that, but also I know how the P- this goes. Like the PG-13 version is so yeah. I fall asleep and you put your blanket over me and you give me a kiss on the cheek. And then it was him who fell asleep and she put a blanket on him and gave him a kiss on the cheek. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. Yeah. And the movie was PG-13. Was it really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. And they got their they got their one fuck, which is allowed in PG thirteen movies, and on that same scene. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. And lastly, uh, the dirty dancing. Uh, what do you call it? I guess skit. Yeah, little. The, the, the little yeah, the scene. part the scene. Um, wasn't originally in the script. Huh. At all. Um, apparently, Ryan Gosling used to actually do ballet. Ah. Yeah. And it was his idea. Nice. So, um, the only problem was, Emma Stone didn't actually realize this until they, they did it. And he, she jumps into his arms and he lifts her up. She realized she has an intense phobia about being lifted up. 
Awesome. To, to the point that she apparently had a full meltdown. <laughs> which, wow. Which Ryan Gosling described as, quote, like a possum falling out of a tree and trying to scratch your eyes out. <laughs> so uh, that's terrifying when you imagine Emma Stone. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, she apparently yeah. ran away crying. Had to lie in bed watching Labyrinth to calm down. Who the fuck watches Labyrinth to calm down? <laughs> like, who the fuck? <laughs> How is that a calming, soothing film? David Bowie. It's David Bowie. There's nothing soothing about him. David Bowie. Also, those, like, Brown fucking Tom, weird, like, Tom. troll things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. No. Just whatever. I mean, I get that it's a Jim Henson film, but goddamn. Like, no. Anyway, Emma Stone. And then also, this was the first of three films that they starred in together. It was. Then they starred in Gangster Squad, and then they starred in La La Land. Oh, I didn't I didn't finish that tidbit. Oh. Um, her phobia came out, apparently... Uh, or came from when she was seven years old and she fell off the high bars in gymnastics and broke both of her arms. Oh Jesus. That'll do it. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. So just to put that in perspective, we, we spent some time making fun of her. Now let's put it in perspective. Yeah. Um, so of course she had a, she had a body double the whole, for the, the actual scene, but they're like when they're, I believe the camera is like outside his apartment and Mm -hmm. looking in. Mm-hmm. for the scene and um you can hear her like scream when he picks her up mm-hmm. yeah those are actually emma stone screams from the scene from the first attempt. yeah from the first take where she panicked Got it. <laughs> so yeah and then yeah you could tell like on the like when he was placing her down that ryan gosling was really careful with the double and where he put his hands and then and I think it's for continuity purposes for when they did the close-up. Mm. You can kind of see that being done. Hmm. Interesting. Like con- yeah. Anyway. All right. So there you have it, sir. Well done. So let's go ahead and get in the movie. I'm going to refill my glass of wine here. All right. You do that. Um, I guess I'll go first. So, yeah, as I mentioned, I saw this twice in 2011. I, I mentioned how I would gotten this as a, a gift on Blu-ray, like, for Christmas. I think it was the Christmas of 2011. Right, like, then if you got it as a gift, why why don't you have it on Blu-ray still? I don't know where it went. <laughs> uh, so, like, as I, uh... Yeah, and then I remember watching it once, like, once I had it on DVD, and I, I never watched it. Like, I never sought it out, even though I owned it. I was like, all right, I've seen it. And so, it kind of goes to, like, the like my enjoyment of it. Like, I, I mentioned how excited I was, because I like a lot of the actors. There's bits that are good in it, but this most recent time watching it, now that I've grown up and now that times have changed it it was it was tough to watch this movie 
it was real tough. Um, yeah. Because, like, there, the word that kept coming to mind is toxic. <laughs> there was... Yes. <laughs> the men in this film were so toxic in so many ways. It, so, like, first... I mean, we'll go with the main character. Like, I mean, uh, Cal, you know, played by Steve Carell. Just the whole idea of like him just not making an effort in his marriage and kind of just being complacent and giving up and everything else like that. I mean, and then his, the, he decides to kind of go on a revenge bang tour, which is not great. Um, nope. but like, yeah, he's, he's an unsympathetic figure because everything he's doing is his own fault. Like he's, he's the one who stopped putting an effort forward in his relationship. He's the one who decided he's going to start hooking up with girls. <clears throat> he's the one who's making all these choices that are adversely affecting his life. Yeah. And yet. And yet he's still seeking sympathy, empathy from his ex, like his his wife, throughout that whole process. I I think toxic is a great great word for it because I mean not just the relationship itself that they're dealing with the marriage, but also <coughs> just like who they've become as people has turned yeah. into a toxic thing. Um, because I mean. And because Julianne Moore and like she's not faultless, obviously, because she's the one who cheated on him in the first place. Yeah, let's get some, of, let's get something straight right now. It doesn't matter how much you stop trying; the relationship does not an excuse. We know that like, at this point yeah, from my mouth. But like she, like she didn't like we. We obviously don't necessarily see, you know, what happened beforehand, but you have to assume that. There was just a lack of communication of her, you know, her complaints of Cal and his lack of effort in things at at that point in life. And then, you know, the first attractive dude that throws attention her way, she goes and bangs like that's that's pretty fucking flawed and pretty fucking bad there. Kevin Bacon, too. Really? Come on. I mean, hey, he was in Footloose. Um <laughs> <laughs> And then, and it's just like all this like toxic behavior has like reasoning behind it, but at the same time, it doesn't excuse it. Right. I mean, if you go to Ryan Gosling's like Jacob, he had, he talks about his dad and how his dad was soft and kind of got like overran by his, his mom who was vain and, you know, yada, yada, and this and that. It's like, okay, that that explains his his behavior but doesn't excuse his behavior he decided to overcorrect and you know become this you know ladies man and you know he mentions how he's just severely unhappy like he buys things and he beds women yep. to try to find happiness and it's like not working and he realizes the first time he sees hannah that you know she's something different and knowing how the, the movie ends up and watching it with a little bit more of a critical eye, I did see more meaning in the first time they meet at the bar, Hannah and Jacob. And the way that he mentions to her, he was looking at her for about two hours and he just had to come over and say something to her. 
and how he keeps like trying to hit on her and she keeps like denying his advances. I was looking at it more like he was, he was going at it almost like a salesman. Like he was just trying to get a yes mm. and to keep getting, and then try to keep getting yeses all the way to the sale of getting a yes from her. But like he kept going for it because he knew there was something different here from like just the first thing from the first look because and and also that that's kind of implied with the fact that he plays just one look the song by doris troy yeah oh good point so that's kind of implied that good fucking point just one look at the very beginning boom the the fireworks and explosions and everything and then he finally sees her when she comes back to him after the the thing um and then the worst fucking person in the movie was Robbie. Fuck that kid. That kid's what? the worst. He's the worst. Why is he the worst? He's the worst. He first off, he knows that the babysitter has the babysitter has repeatedly told him to stop sending messages. She's repeatedly told him that she's uncomfortable with everything. And he repeatedly for, says, fuck off. I'm still gonna do it anyway. Dude, and have you forgotten what it's like to be a 13-year-old boy? That's, that's what you do no it's not you you learn to you learn to accept no for an answer is what the fuck you do as a 13 year old boy yeah you don't learn that till a little bit later but as, that's, that's as, early teen years early teen no, is I, like nah fuck it i'm going for it but just like just like pat like knowing the root of the cause of the behavior is an excuse being young isn't an excuse, Max. You have to understand how to take no for an answer. I, I know, not, I know, like, but I'm also saying the reality is that when you're a 13-year-old boy and your hormones are driving every decision you make, that's how you're going to behave. Not not all not all 13-year-olds are doing that. True. I and and so when a 13 year old does that, like I get the whole having, a, you know, unrequited love, having a crush that doesn't like you back. I get all that. I had that, but I also didn't build a makeshift like platform to express my love for that person. Like in the middle of the fucking school, I also, you know, wasn't jerking off and then immediately admitted that I was thinking of them as I was jerking off. Like after they caught me jerking off, like there's, toxic behavior from that kid and it just reeked of just like male privilege that i just could not stand i hated it well i don't see it as much as male privilege because he's 13 and he's a kid so um i guess i don't i I didn't see that plus it's a movie so you know you discount some reality in it but i can see that i can understand that i mean i if he was any older yeah, I would have been pissed off too, but you know, I kind of was able to to write it off as like, okay, he's just a he's just a kid, and it's, this is just a movie, and you know, um, I don't know. I I actually liked his character. I thought it was I thought it was a nice little comedic um, subplot, and plus, it fucking pays off. Look, <laughs> look, he. He ends up having the, a suave line at the end where he's like, eh, I figure in a couple years I'll I'll look like him and that's when I'll make my move. Like, that's a yeah. solid way to end it after your stalkerish behavior. 
Yes, he gets rewarded for his stalkerish behavior. That's well, you exactly know, how you, we want to go about when it. When you boil it down to that, yes. When you take it out of context and you say, yes, rewarding or someone the for their stalkerish behavior is bad. Yes. It's not taken out of context. That is the context. Oh and also, God. if you want to go take it out of context, we're, we're also implying that a 17, almost 18-year-old girl has given naked photos to a 13-year-old boy. And intended to give them to a 40-year-old man. Well, nonetheless, <clears throat> consent it, consent covers that, which is still in and of itself not great, not good, and the whole and that whole storyline was completely flawed and unnecessary to begin with. But at the same time, there like she should know better than to like that's the implication. At the same time, we don't know the photos that he's seeing. There's a very good chance she may be actually like barely clothed in it, and so therefore it's not as bad. Nonetheless, still not great. Yeah. Still I mean, there's a lot of, there, I, I agree about your word use of toxic. There's a lot of toxic shit in this movie. If you really boil it down, there's some weird, awkward things in it. And I, I will also say, I thought there were some storylines in it that didn't need to be there. Like they, the babysitters, they crush on Cal. Yeah. Like you could have boiled yeah. it down to just the three character, the three like storylines where it's just, um, Ryan Gosling storyline Steve Carell's storyline and and even Robbie's storyline because Robbie's storyline is necessary because it leads to the speech at the end of the middle that's true yeah okay like you don't need the babysitter to have an unrequited crush on Steve Carell like that's not necessary she could just be there as the you know the the object of affection of Robbie yeah like they could have just turned it into a crush instead of like full-blown like they could have just turned it into like more innocent teen love, teen crush kind of thing. That that I can understand the point behind. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, it just they they took several things a little too far, and that was definitely one of them. I thought it was just like you know you're you're kind of taken away from the main storyline by doing all this stuff. Like I'm always a fan for the subplots and all these little like inner workings, you know. But in this movie, those kind of took away from it a little bit. Well, and also, yeah, the movie's almost two hours long. You take away, you take away like the the amount of time spent on the babysitter being into Steve Carell. You probably knock it down to an hour thirty five, hour forty. And it it felt that it felt like two hours. Like I paused it a couple yeah. times. I went up and got a drink. Like it was like Jesus. I'm only halfway through this movie. I'm only a quarter way through this movie. Like it was. It's not a very fast-paced movie. It's not. It's and not. it's it's doesn't it doesn't cover a lot of ground in those two hours. It has a great finish and a great climax, uh, but there's a lot a lot that I felt like could have been shortened up in the first hour and a half. It, yeah, it, like it basically ends open ended to give an i give a feeling of like oh you know love is you know messy love isn't you know yeah but when i sit through two hours of that shit like i wanted to fucking like wrap this shit up and give me an answer here like i i i sat through two hours of this bullshit i deserve a reward (laughs) 
Yeah, and it's just like, oh, we're going to leave this open-ended. Like, oh, they're... You know, there's a possibility that they're they may reconcile. Right. There's the possibility of this. There's a possibility of that sort of thing. It's just like, well, so that's the main the main. I mean, there's a there was a conclusion to you know uh, Jacob's storyline that he ends up with Hannah. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's a clean conclusion. There's a there's going to be a clean conclusion conclusion to J, uh, Robbie and Jessica's storyline because she was going away to Stanford. So right. That was always going to end at the end of the year, you know? I remember the days when I dreamed of going to Stanford. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so Uh, glad I didn't. Yeah. Went to Oregon instead. Fucking Stanford. Fucking Stanford. Fucking trees. (laughs) But I would say, I mean, for, like, with Steve Carell and Julianne Moore, they still acted well together i thought the acting in this movie was amazing actually the acting was solid like it it was just with with corell and and more it's just every time they were on screen together it was it was almost like the movie became a drama yes i totally felt that too because like when they're waiting for the 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 parent teacher conference like there's just this dramatic feel to it. Yeah. And then when they're talking on the phone, when he's outside, like seeing her through the window while they're talking on the phone, it's very dramatic. Basically every time they had a scene together, it was very dramatic except and like the only comedic one, quote unquote, was, you know, the conclusion of at the end with the whole, all of the dudes fighting. And even that though was a good scene. Fight, and then, yeah, and then he, it just, yeah, and so it's like, yeah, this is great, this is well acted, but it just feels out of place. It feels like it's just a separate, like, like I'm watching two actors in an acting class perform a scene together. It's like mm. this is great acting, but I, it just feels almost out of place from this whole supposed connected story that you're trying to tell us. Um. I mean, yeah, uh, no, I get that. But I, one thing we haven't talked about is the best part of the movie and the best character in the movie and the best actor. Yeah. The, the actress of the movie. And that is Liz, who's played by Liza Lapira. Who's Liz? That's Hannah's friend. Oh yeah, she's a great supporting actor. She is the best part of this movie by far, far none. She is hilarious every time she delivered a line and or did something on camera. I laughed my ass off, <laughs> like just the way that she like says like you know you should go back to his place and let him bang your head into the headboard until you see God. <laughs> Or... <laughs> I thought that was such a good fucking line. Like that. Oh my god! Or when they're at the, when they're at uh, that little like celebratory dinner, and the boyfriend tells a bad joke, and then she just puts her hand up and then points down to the drink. Just the way she just yep. puts her hand up and then points to the drink is so funny. It's so funny. She was pretty and good. She like she. Had, she was the best part of the movie for me, by far. I can see that. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, 
when someone who's got like maybe three <laughs> minutes of screen time is the best part of the movie. Probably not great. Um, well, I mean, like you said, it was it was for rom com standards, it was difficult to watch. It was for yeah. me, I I liked it. I thought it was a good movie, but it was a completely different movie from when I watched it in 2011. Oh yeah, ditto. It, and I and that goes with where you are in life. It, this is a, this is a rom com that definitely changes depending on where you are personally as a viewer in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some rom coms that do that, and I think some more successful ones do that. Um, but yeah, I remember it being kind of one dimensional and kind of boring when I first watched it, and this time it was like, oh, I can like understand the plots better now. Whereas like, you know, 2011, when I first watched it, I was closer. I was still probably closer to, to associating with the high school era of the, of the movie or the high school storyline and, and dreaming of having a storyline eventually like Ryan Gosling's. Yeah. And and Steve Carell's storyline was not even that's not even reality. <laughs> Where like now it's like, well, I haven't I haven't been married, so it's not like I can sit here and say that I understand Steve Carell's character's storyline, but at least like from a more adult perspective, I can see like like I've been through relationships enough where it's like that whole oh my god, that whole scene between them where she's trying to explain like how they've both changed and when did they stop be- stop being them? When did we stop being us? And of course he comes back with the line of well probably started when you <laughs> when you fucked uh, what's his name? <laughs> Lingard. Yeah. Lin- yeah, Lingard. Yeah, the guy that they can never pronounce the name of. Yeah. But like that like I get that now. Like when I when I first watched it, I didn't I didn't understand like that that just went right over my head. Whereas now, like I understand that that is such a when you're in a relationship as an adult, well, maybe not when you're in as adult too. I'm sure there are exceptions. Um, but at least for me as an adult, when you've been in a relationship for a long time, and it starts to like using your word when it starts to get toxic, but neither of you know why and neither of you know what to do about it and you stay in it because it's what you've known and what you're comfortable with there comes that moment where you look back and go when did we stop being us because the first you know months or years of our relationship we were fun we were us we were ourselves and that is such a fucking heart-wrenching feeling when you come to that realization in a relationship where you're like, yeah, neither of us, like, we're both shells of ourselves. It's such a, it's a weird, weird feeling that is, I would say personally, is unique to adulthood. Where it's like, when you grow up, love changes. And it is, it is no longer this simple puppy love, cutesy thing that you could have in high school. Now it becomes this weird, like, tug of war. And all the while you love each other, but then you also have to maintain your own independent identity as well for the sake of the relationship. Because if you, if you lose sight of who you are as a person, 
and what you like and what you love out of life, then you're becoming a toxic effect on the relationship. And if you both start doing it, you're fucked. So yeah. that 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 resonated really bad or not bad resonated really deep with me because I was like, that was something I'd never picked up on when I first watched it. And now their whole storyline is like, oh, I fucking get it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it definitely is a, a little more. it's a little more relatable, like not necessarily from, you know, myself, like just like being in relationships or anything. Cause I, I have it, but it is more relatable. Like you can see as an adult, what they went through. Cause like, yeah. now, like now that I'm an adult, I get like the whole, you know, you, there's a lot, a lot more that goes into it than just what you think love is as a, you know, someone who's in school or just out of school. Right. Um, you know, there's a life that you've built. There's, you know, the the daily grind of life yeah exactly to put the work in like you like when you hear put the work in you don't necessarily know what that means until you've lived life outside of the whole school thing like it's because school you have this whole you know you have vacations and things like that and there's a a next year and it kind of has a different feel of life when you start you know joining the workforce and just you know being in life then you have this whole like oh okay it's July 6th. I'm going into work and living another day of life of the same thing I've been doing for a while. It's, and you realize you can get in a rut, you can get into, you know, certain aspects of life that can affect relationships. And so that made more sense. It, but it also, I still lack sympathy for it. And, you know, it, because i mean i'm not saying it deserves sympathy i'm just saying that like that that part of the story i I, yeah i know you're not saying that um but as far as i remember the first time i watched it that steve crown julianne moore's storyline i just i wasn't happy with it i was happy with emma stone and ryan gosling in the film i didn't mind robbie and just because like the very first time i watched it this time i actively disliked all of the family storylines. I just like Ryan Gosling <laughs> and Emma Stone. And, and, even then, and even then, Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling basically boiled down to one scene. Yeah. And, like, and it's a great scene and it's a redeemable scene. It's a fantastic scene that if you just watch that scene, <clears throat> you're pretty much good. Where they're, uh, <laughs> where they come home from the bar and they're in bed. Exactly. Yeah. When, when they come home from the bar, like he it's starting from when he makes the old fashioned to, when they fall asleep like that whole bit is a great bit um and yeah like him making the old-fashioned playing doris troy's just web look the fact that she like crushes his drinks he you know takes off his shirt the whole dirty dancing thing and then he, he made a solid uh old-fashioned though i will say oh yeah yeah 100 percent. he made Definitely. a very good old-fashioned well yes. done sir well and done then, and then they go to bed and then, you know, she, and then they can't stop talking while they're making out. And then they just talk all night to the point where he falls asleep. Like that's all well done. 
you know, that, that was good work there. That um, was, uh, that was something I left out of my tidbits cause it was just a nice little fun fact, but apparently that scene was whole, was completely taken out of the script. Like they actually had a script for it. They threw it away. They gave them both actual drinks and liquored them up and said, just go for it. Just start talking. Act this like, shows. act like you're in the scene, act like you're in a relationship or a beginning of a relationship. What would you say to each other? Yeah. And it, it shows. shows they have great yes. chemistry in that scene. And that was something um, I paused the movie as well. I didn't get through the whole thing. I had to pause it. And I called my sister, Monica, uh, when I paused it, because um, I, I actually talked with her earlier this week and I mentioned what we were doing this week. And she was just like, oh, I recently rewatched that and I could not get through it. She's like, it it has not aged well. And really? I was thinking to myself, like, huh? No way. I there's no way, and I I completely agree with her now. But, um, and I was telling her that, but I was like, but I did just get through that, uh, you know, Gosling and Stone scene, and we were chatting about how much we love that scene and everything, and she brought up a good point of throughout the movie, like the acting is good, but it also it almost feels like like on the precipice of overacting, like everything's just acted hard. Um, like I mentioned the Corell and more scenes of how like dramatic those scenes felt like they just hit it hard. You know what I mean? And it just felt like these, like the two directors for the film are screenwriters first and then they direct. And mm. it felt that way where they were like, you know, play the script, like really, you know, pay attention to the script and play the script sort of thing. It, you know, it, it just felt like they were trying to hit the script because the script was so vivid and like they're playing it yeah. as it was written. And then the one scene, as you mentioned, where they kind of threw away the script, we were like, hey, play it natural is the one scene that shines through. And that's what movies should have more of. And that's what I think acting is. You, <coughs> excuse me, you build a world like i i like it to like it's you make a plan you know like i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna go to the store i'm gonna walk to the store and as you're walking to the store all of a sudden you know it it starts or like you see you know uh a, a car like a bicyclist get hit by like, by like a car and it's just like okay now i have to react to that like, how am I reacting to this sort of thing? And it's like, you, you create this plan, you create well, this. Well, ideally, yeah, you do react, yeah. Well, yeah, and then, <laughs> and then, but then the, the action, like, the interesting action that you're actually living in, the thing that makes it worthwhile is the, you know, the event that happens within this world that you've built. And it's just, I feel like with movies, the best movies create a plan with a script. They create a world, and they create a plan, and then by the time it's time to film it, they say, okay, go live in this plan and react. And, you know, the, I feel like a hmm. lot of the, a lot of the fun scenes, a lot of the best scenes you can see are just two actors <clears throat> reacting to each other. And I mean, we always point out like when it looks like someone's cracking up or yeah. when like stuff feels like it was made up. We like whenever we watch new girl, we can always see when they're just like, obviously just cracking jokes and like trying to throw extra lines that weren't there into it just to That's make true. people laugh. And it's just, 
I feel like that's severely lacking in this movie besides that one scene. I could see that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, from a, I would say I enjoyed it from a, a relationship standpoint from there were a lot of complex emotions, a lot of complex uh, relationships in it. And I, I liked that attempt. I think it could have been done better. Um, but um, I did, there was, there was like an underlying message at one point, a couple points, I would say that I did pick up on that. I liked, which was something along the lines of, you know, that it's, it's better to not try to fit a mold and to, to play to your strengths, you know, inevitably just be yourself is what it's really saying. But, you know, they well, show I mean, that, that we learned that in just friends. Uh, we did. Yeah. There are better ways to do it. There are better ways to explain that. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. No, come on, Mike. No, you're making snow angels. Oh, I'm oh. so glad you. I knew you'd get that. That's such a fucking good movie. God, I love that movie. Did I marry uh, yeah. them? I married that movie, right? I you better marry that movie. Okay, I better I, have fucking married that movie. God, yeah, I love I'd that like movie. That you married it, yeah. Mm. I stand by that decision till I fucking die. <laughs> till death That's a, do you part. Yeah, yeah, till death do us part. Yep, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which is why we marry movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, because they can't betray us like Julianne Moore can. Oh, yeah. She cheats on everyone in movies. God, she really does. Like every one of these characters played who they always are. Like, like yeah. Julianne Moore is always the like character that fucks someone over, but you still kind of like, but you don't like, um, like Ryan Gosling played Ryan Gosling. Like Emma Stone played Emma Stone. Like they all fuck Steve Carell. Definitely. Yeah. I played Steve Carell. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I will say, I will say this. You mentioned your favorite character of the movie. I would say my favorite is Marissa Tomei's character. Oh yeah. Marissa Tomei is a fox. I never, always, always. I would, oh. I, I, I don't care how fucking batshit crazy she is in every single fucking role. I dig it. And I love her. And she is so amazing. Oh my god. Oh my god. She's just... incredible. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Just mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All day. <laughs> yeah. So um yeah. like like are you fucking kidding me? You have the chance to stick around and see this out with Marissa Tomei. And you choose the fucking ghostly bitch of a woman that is Julianne Moore's character who's cheated on you and fucked over your family? You had Marissa Tomei! Why? Toxic. Toxic? It's toxic. Like, I'd, I'd flip him off, too, if, if I were her. Like... <laughs> God damn. Oh, I get it. I get it. When you have that long of a history with someone, it's, yeah, I, I get it. But it's Marissa Tomei. <laughs> it's, 
Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so, uh, the kiss in the movie. I would I, think... I would say it's the where she comes in from the rain and kisses Ryan Gosling and in the bar. In the club. Yeah, yeah. That's, that is the kiss in the movie. Yeah. I agree. That's definitely I'd give the it a, kiss. I'd give it a B um, myself. I think that it's I think it's cool that she's like, hey you, and like goes run and like goes up to him, just plants one on him. I think like the lips meeting and everything is is done well. Um it, it just it's directed very closely. Uh much like everything else, it's almost over directed where like there's the you know, it shows the hands on the small of the back and picking up and the kiss seemed to last like a whole minute and a half because they're just showing every aspect of it. But at the same time, it was still well done. And I, and you know, I thought it was, and it was set up well with the whole, she was just fed up and just like, and she remembered that guy and he remembered her and it was on. Yeah, I agree. I would say it's a B as well for me. It's, uh, it's, it's good. It's, it had a lot of, it it evoked emotion when I was watching it. And that's, that's kind of what, how I judge it to begin with. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they had a good kiss and I can't speak too much to the, the direction of it, but, um, I know it definitely evoked a lot just watching it. It was like, you know, it's not just the, the passion behind it, but it's also, there's, there's some emotion there and it's, you pick up on it and that's good. Mm -hmm. So I'd give it a solid B definitely could have been better though. I mean, that's why it's on an A. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's definitely room for improvement. Uh, I mean, for, I, I thought it was set up well, but at the same time, it was very quick. <laughs> like, it, it just all of a sudden. It was. You know, she's at, she's in a relationship with someone hoping to get proposed to, and now she's making out with another guy. You know, so there, there was some quickness to it. But Have we graded a kiss an A yet? Uh, Yeah. Besides the um, Italians from Leap Year, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean I, that is an A. That's a fucking A plus with with extra credit. <laughs> there was a, there was one. I need to look at the episodes that we've done because I know if I see it, I'll remember it. Let me. But this mm. is interesting. I'm gonna let me look at what we got. Oh, we should we should create like a matrix of this stuff where it's like. We there should we should have had we should have a spreadsheet yeah yeah like what our grade for the kiss is for each movie what our rating is for each movie well we got yeah we got we're in quarantine so we definitely have time we got the time um, yeah spreadsheet time baby um, <laughs> I feel like hmm let's see the oh I gave I I feel like I gave when Harry met Sally an A. On the kiss? Yeah, and you and I had different opinions of what the kiss was. Oh, yeah. But I thought the kiss that they have in the bedroom is, like, so, like... Yeah. It was well done and, like, per and like very, you know, emotionally uh, vulnerable. When Harry Met um, Sally is a good fucking movie. I, I rewatched. I just went to YouTube today and just randomly rewatched the... <laughs> The scene where they're at New Year's and he goes, I love I love when your nose gets that weird little crinkle in your forehead when you're looking <laughs> at me like I'm crazy. I love I love that you're the last person I want to see at the end of the day. And 
that whole scene like oh my god it's still it's so it's so epically rom-com it's amazing and i can't get over it anyway not part of this episode let's move on but (laughs) um also shout out to uh someone on twitter or, or a freelance writer she's got a blue check so she's an author and and freelance writer uh, Jenna Gillaume, it's G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E. Um, but on Twitter, uh, she's from Australia, it looks like. Um, so someone who follows... The, Do we have an Aussie follower now? No, she's she's just a, an author from Australia. But we right. have... No, but we do have a follower um, addicted to text. Shout out to her. I think she follows both our Instagram and our Oh, yeah. Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, she tweeted at the show saying, I think you guys would enjoy this. Um, and it was this author from Australia put out a quarantine, uh, March madness, uh, bracket of 64 raw. Oh yeah. I saw that. Yeah. And so I've been voting on it and, and watching it closely and they're down to the semifinals right now. Um, and the semifinals are fucking when Harry met Sally just got beat by Bridget Jones diary. So I call bullshit on this now. Uh, but what? In, the quarter, in the quarterfinals, Bridget Jones diary beat. No, get the fuck out of here. No, all my nopes. No, like, when so, Harry met Sally needs to be in the finals. It needs to win. Um, uh, the final four is Love Actually versus uh, Suddenly 30 is what they call it in Australia. But it's 13 going on 30. Uh, really? And then, and then uh, You've Got Mail versus Bridget Jones Diary. Oh, my God. Really? Sleepless in Seattle isn't even up? Okay. You know what, Renee? This is what our podcast will eventually turn into. We're going to do one of our own. We're going to watch all the fucking rom-coms we can. <laughs> and then we'll turn it into a fucking bracket tournament. But here's the thing. If you put the bracket tournament up for for vote, you're going to run into opinions like that. That's just what ends up happening. Yeah, but our opinions are right. <laughs> and you also have to look into the fact that I mean, I don't know what her follower count looks like, but if you're talking about someone who's, let's say, 23 years old, right? Uh, if they're 23 years old, that means they're born in 97, which means when they were like 10, Bridget Jones' diary was only a few years old, while When Harry Met Sally was right. Okay, 20 years old. You bring up a good so point. It's hard to go that far back to catch When Harry Met Sally when... Bridget Jones Diary was considered a quote-unquote classic. So what you're saying is we have grown up and lived through the golden age of rom-coms. Well, and I, therefore was, we are a better voice on the matter. Well, I mean, I was there voting for the original Sabrina and the Philadelphia story and it happened one night and those movies were getting blown out in the first two rounds. So I'm not the one to talk to about <laughs> the popular opinion of people on rom-coms because I'm going to, because Sabrina is better than any of the movies left there. And I include love actually in it. So, and I like love actually, but Sabrina, the original Sabrina is better than that. 
Well, that's, but that's why we're, that's why we're here. We're not here to play to the popular opinion. (laughs) We're here to, we're here to view it from, yeah, our personal. Tens and tens of listeners (laughs) are unspectacular 30 something opinion, which is what we put in the show. Besides, you show me another podcast where two fucking straight men review rom-coms and I'll bow to your opinions as well. But you know what? This is unique. Oh yeah, you'll, you'll bow to straight men's opinions, huh? But no one else's male privilege right there. That's not at all what I was saying. Folks. I'm kidding. Oh my God. (laughs) Motherfucker. (laughs) Anyway, uh, what happens ever after in uh, crazy, stupid love? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What happens ever after? Are we still reviewing this movie? (laughs) Yeah. uh, Real quick. What happens after ever after? Guess what? Robbie and Jessica don't end up together. Oh, she finds someone else, and it's quickly forgotten. And then, and at this point, ten years later, Robbie barely even thinks about her as he's trying to bed random floozies at the age of twenty-two. Um, or he's still heartbroken. Okay, uh, and then he ends also, up with Julianne Moore. Wait, no, that's his mom. Never mind. Oh yeah, my god, oh, Jesus! Oh you my been, god. Okay, you've been hitting Sorry. Pornhub. You've been hitting Pornhub too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> what is this porn hub that you speak of? I don't know. Anyway. Mm. Uh and then also uh Cal and Julianne Moore, whatever her name is, they don't end up together either. Good. They don't they don't yeah, like there's a reason why they decide to split then like after the kids are grown up it's like why why are we still here together so well i will i will say i will amend that and say that um in my experience anyway which is not i'm not pretending is sufficient but um i know that if it was if it was any for me anyway if it was any other fault in the relationship besides cheating when you when you split apart because you're not like compatible anymore because you're not yourselves there's still hope like as remote and weird as it sounds like i I, it's not healthy to hold on to that hope but if you made a good couple and a good pairing they, they talked about the soulmate thing, the soulmate angle several times in this movie. Yeah. If, if you really feel like you have a legitimate connection with another human being, that is such a rare feeling to begin with that if you really do feel that with someone else, it goes beyond life. It goes beyond, it really does start to feel like soulmate. It feels like something that is beyond the physical world and what this singular life can offer. And it feels like you're really meant to connect with this other soul, this other person. And if you really feel that with someone, it may not last. Like the the relationship itself may not last because as this movie showed, life fucking happens. Shit goes down. You both turn into toxic forms of yourselves. And it destroys the relationship. Now, that doesn't justify that you need to cheat on someone. And once that has happened, 
to me, that's like, that's over. Like it's, there's no coming back from that, but anything else, like if it's gotten that toxic and you guys have gone your separate ways, there's a lot of reconciliation that needs to happen, but eventually I could see it resolving down the road only if they fix themselves first because that's what destroyed it in the first place that's what destroys a lot of relationships when you when you sacrifice way too much of yourself without any form of communication between the two of you and you just kind of go headlong into the relationship and focus all your energy on that it's going to fail you're not going to you you haven't nurtured you, you still have to nurture some of yourself a little bit it's a careful balance between your own personality and your investment in the relationship. You can't ignore either and you can't let it tip to one side or the other. And that's what a partnership is to me anyway. Like when you're in a good partnership, you can focus more on yourself at a certain point where it's like, Hey, if you lose a job, okay, you're going to focus more on yourself because you got to recover from that. And that's what the partner does. The partner makes up for that. But then you got to make up for that again, eventually when you get a job kind of thing, you know, like there's a give and take. So anyway, that's my, that's my, uh, (laughs) my personal spin on it. But I, I agree that this, this relationship, this dynamic between them is weird. It's, I like the message that they're sending with it, but I don't like the execution in the movie. Agreed. So, uh, as far as like my verdict of the movie, I'd kill this movie. <laughs> besides, really? besides like the one Gosling and Stone scene, it doesn't redeem just the fact that it's hard to like most of these characters. It, it, it really is. It's hard to like most of these characters. None of the male characters are worth like rooting for caring about because they all are just like flawed but like but flawed in a way where it, it, it's an inex- like they could be better but they're just not like it, you know what I mean they're right. not trying to do better they're just being flawed um, and so yeah uh, I, I, you know I, I, yeah I was disappointed uh by my latest watch of this movie it was uh, i was yeah kill it hmm okay i personally would actually i would i would fuck it but it, it is i was actually like teetering between fuck and mary wow um i don't I don't particularly like the movie that much. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's on the same level as the other movies that I've married. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not, you know, one of my personal favorites or anything. It's not something that I would go out, run out and buy and put up on my DVD shelf as, as a, as an expression of, you know, what I like, but, but I did like some of the messages behind it. I liked a lot of the 
well, from a 32 year old standpoint, I liked a lot of the, the storylines. They made more sense to me now as an adult. And, um, I, 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 I was actually kind of surprised by my own rating. I was surprised that I was enjoying it because I, I actually, like I was sitting there like going, God, I really don't like it. But at the same time, I, there's something about it. I really do. And I can't quite put a finger on it. I think it's just the, I don't know the, I think it is the flawed stuff in it that I like the flawed characters that they show that they're incredibly flawed, but they show potential for growth. And I think that's what I liked about them, that they were, I guess maybe something about that made me feel like they were more real than just some storybook rom-com fantasy boy and girl characters. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I wouldn't, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I would not put it up to Mary. Um, I know there there are plenty of people that probably would, but I personally would say it's it's at least worth watching once. Um, and you know, I would say maybe worth watching a couple times throughout your life. <laughs> Like, right. like, see where you are in life, and then rewatch it. You know, like, because yeah, I mean, because if I watched, if we went off the very first right. time, like, I really enjoyed it to the point where I would almost marry it. Now, yeah, so, it it really kind of yeah. changes depending yeah. on where you are in life. And like, I remember back when I first saw it in 2011, I would have killed it, and now I can, I, now I enjoy it. So like, it it's reversed. It's it's it changes yeah. depending on where yeah. you are. Oh yeah, so so that's our review of the movie. And uh, if you have opinions yourself, or you just want to, you know, chat with us or see what we're up to or anything else like that, you can find the show's Instagram at Bromancing the Stone Podcast, and that's B R O. So Bromancing the Stone Podcast, all together there. Uh, you can find our Twitter at Bro the Stone Pod, and that's B R O T H E S T O N E P O D. And then you can also find me on Instagram at Relusa88. That's R-E-L-U-S-A-88. And you can also find my Twitter at Supermarket Sweep. That's without the E in super. So S-U-P-R Market Sweep. And then Max. On Instagram, you can find me at the Lionhearted with a period, which is T-H-E period L-Y-O-N-H-E-A-R-T-E-D. There you go. And then as far as next week's movie... Uh, it's my choice. What do you got? Uh, Have you thought about of, it? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I decided I wanted to get this uh, bad Steve Carell taste out of my mouth and go to what I think is probably my favorite performance of his because I really do like Steve Carell. And I want to watch Dan in real life. So All right. we're going <laughs> to... We're going to double up on the Steve Carell <laughs> for you. And we're going to watch Dan in real life. I don't know. Like, like I love Dan in real life. I don't like, there's not necessarily like a tie in of a time of year where you can really like tie it in. And yeah. In. So I figured this is as good a tie in as any. Uh, yeah. Might to, as well. To, to wax poetic about a movie I've loved since I first saw it. So, and I, I, think I don't think I've ever seen my... it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, I have it on DVD. I actually have it on DVD. Uh, oh, bring it yeah. over. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is on Disney Plus, so. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yes. So you can find it on Disney Plus there. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then the week after, we'll, the episode will come out on April 20th. And uh, <laughs> I, I know I mentioned to you that even though like there really isn't like necessarily a quote unquote stoner rom-com, but I feel like there is a stoner movie that has a good romance in it that I want to do for 420. And I just want to confirm on air with you. Uh, if you that, say uh, pineapple express. No. Okay. Harold or Harold and Kumar go to white castle. That has a romantic storyline to it. Yes. The whole Harold and Maria thing. I admittedly haven't seen it in a long time, so I don't remember. Right, I remember so his love interest with a giant bag of weed. <laughs> that was Kumar's love interest. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Herald had the crush of the girl in his building. And that, like... And then, okay, yeah. I vaguely remember that. And then, yeah. So, and also, just because the stoner really ended we release the shows on Monday. And if we don't do one on 420, we're going to have to wait a whole seven years of the podcast before we'll do another one on 420. Cause it will always come out on Monday. Wait, so, so 4, 420 is a Monday. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. That's so, too perfect. So we have for that, so, for that episode, we will be bromancing the stoned. Yes. Add a D at the end, bromancing the stoned. <laughs> and we will be reviewing Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. So uh, prepare your White Castle orders for that episode uh, in two weeks. But next week, it will be dead in real life. We will continue the Corel uh, cruise. <laughs> I tried to find a word. I tried to find a word. I, I picked up on that. I can hear that. I can yeah, hear the wheels like, I'm just like alliteration, alliteration, alliteration. Uh, so, <laughs> anyway, until next week, uh, to the tens and tens of listeners, we love y'all. We thank y'all, and uh, we will talk to you later. Have a good night. Love you guys. Stay healthy.